what is up you guys welcome back to another episode of brown on broad street podcast with me brie mandanka <laughs> whether this is your first episode you're joining in for or if you hopped over here from the beginning i'm super excited that you're here and that you're back <laughs> this may only be the second episode but i truly feel like i've been working on this project forever now at this point I think ideas for this podcast have truly just started ruling my thought process for the past week or so and everything that happens to me I'm like ooh, this could be like a good podcast topic in the near future and everything like that but it's just been super exciting for me to share this idea with my friends and see how supportive everyone has been of me launching this um, it's definitely what has made me super motivated and just thrilled to be working on this in general I was telling my boyfriend that I literally have been up the past few nights are so pretty late working on this and it's to the point where I don't want to burn myself out so I'm trying to give myself some extended periods of time to like get this up and running but I've just been like so excited to work on it that it's like hard for me to stop so yeah I just want to really express like how happy this process has been making me so far and I just really hope it continues to do so. So something that I want to start incorporating into the intros of all my episodes is just doing like a little weekly recap of my life and a weekly win segment I guess we'll call it where I can talk about the highlight of my week basically. I just really want to be able to use like the beginning of my podcast for you guys to be able to get to know me. I think what a lot of people enjoy about podcasts is just like having that reliable narrator at the end of the day and I think it's like the same way that when you're reading a book like you have to take that into consideration as well I think it's kind of the same aspect in like the podcast world where you kind of want to like have this don't remember what the term is that I'm looking for right now I'm gonna remember it like by at the end of the podcast but it's like that type of relationship that you have with someone that you might not necessarily know but like you feel like you have a relationship with them because you either watch a ton of shows that they're in or like follow their lives really closely or something along those lines I just want to be able to have have that relationship with you guys I guess so I think talking about my life like at the beginning of the podcast will at least give you guys like a little bit of insight into like what's going on in my world so I think the lucky girl trend on TikTok is really rubbing off on me if you know what I'm talking about it's basically just the idea of constantly putting into the universe or whatever you want to like reference it as that you're lucky and everything is working out in your favor and although I might not believe in the whole concept that like the universe works for you and manifestation and all that stuff I have watched some like actually psychologically focused videos on like the lucky girl topic that explain it really well I'm probably gonna butcher this explanation but basically by trying to convince yourself that you're a lucky person you're like naturally gonna be constantly looking for those things in like your day-to-day life and moments in your life that make you lucky rather than focusing on like the negatives of your day so I guess it like actually activates a portion of your brain that just like constantly makes you want to look for the positive in every day because it's like a reward mechanism for yourself essentially I don't know like I said I definitely probably did a terrible job explaining that but if you look up lucky girl syndrome on um, TikTok or whatever you'll definitely be able to see some videos that talk about this and I find it really interesting because that's something that I want to start doing a lot more more is really just focusing on the positive aspects of my day I feel like I get stressed out extremely easily when I let like all the negative moments that happen across the board of a day like really start to add up that's when I start getting like really overwhelmed so I think taking the time to really seek out the positive aspects of every day instead of 
sitting here and finding things to complain about which I do far too often and a lot of people in my life will probably attest to that I am like a massive complainer which I don't love about myself so I think I'm really gonna try to focus on taking this like lucky girl syndrome (laughs) into focus in my life and really just focus on the positive aspects of the day so that's why I really want to talk about like a weekly win because I feel like that'll make me really reflect on my week and think about the positives instead of the negatives but as for my week in general it was pretty average work week for me honestly like I said in the last episode this was my first full week of work after the new year which was honestly incredible but it did make it feel extremely long at the end of the day and the week totally dragged on a bit more than I would have liked it to but it was productive and fine regardless. I'm still going strong on my very short sobriety journey that we're doing right now. Like I said, I'm not doing dry January, but I am trying to do stints in my life that I do take a break from drinking. So right now, this is day 12 when I'm recording this, which I know doesn't sound like the most impressive thing in the world. But honestly, even just how much better I feel after 12 days is kind of wild and ultimately at the end of this stint it'll include like three to four weekends in a row of me being completely sober which is also wild to think about even though like it shouldn't be I feel like it should be normalized that you don't spend every weekend at least like going out heavily once but I feel like that's been my life for a while now is like there's at least one night on the weekends that like goes a little further than I would have liked it to but it has been absolutely marvelous waking up on any giving morning and waking up hydrated and feeling good I feel like it's going to get to a point where it's going to need to take a really legitimate reason for me to want to drink heavily again I'm just like so happy waking up and feeling great that I don't think I really ever want to wake up feeling horrible at this point nothing compares to the feeling of waking up not hungover I think the majority of people can agree with that one (laughs) I'm also on my 29th day now dairy free which is also cool I was aiming to only do a dairy free January honestly so for context I'm definitely some level of lactose intolerant as you know like the majority of people are but I don't think I ever realized how bad my bloating and just feeling after eating dairy was until I was really focused on the gym and a bit more on my body image and just progressing and like that sort of setting now I definitely think I'm at the extent where I'm gonna cut out dairy for good the past four weeks have been incredible feeling both physically and mentally like great honestly and it definitely helps that my boyfriend's vegan So if I'm eating with him, I'm pretty much guaranteed that I'm safe in terms of like the no dairy situation. So it's really not difficult to seek out in that sort of way. And he's been an extremely good influence on just eating better in general. So feeling great. I think I'll definitely be a dairy-free 2023 at the very least. And now I think it'll probably continue on to like just being part of my lifestyle because I think it's what makes me feel the best, honestly. And then as for like what I'll consider my weekly win, I think I mentioned in my last episode, but in case I didn't, my best friend Jen and I are going to Utah in May for a national park trip. Zion is the main one that we're hitting. And that was what like the trip was originally like planned around. But we are trying to hit four out of the five like mighty five parks I made a tentative schedule that isn't completely finalized yet but on that schedule we at least make time for Zion Bryce Canyon Arches and Canyonland the only thing that I'm having a hard time factoring into the schedule is Capitol Reef but I'm gonna try to somehow make it work because I think hitting all of the five parks would be super dope so anyways 
for one of the hikes in Zion, it's called Angel's Landing. You need a permit to go all the way to the top. I think that permit system started sometime after the pandemic, basically when hiking became like a lot more normalized for people to get into because everyone was trying to get outside more and it was giving people things to do. So in order to keep the trail safe, the National Park like organization started making certain trails at certain parks permit access only to keep that like traffic down because certain trails when they get like heavily populated can honestly become like unsafe and this would definitely be one of them so the permit system at least for angels landing was a lottery so it was randomized in terms of if we'd get it or not and i had to enter in like a week's worth of dates that we wanted to do and like pick time slots and everything like that and it was more of a long shot than it was guaranteed honestly so happy to report that we got a permit for the hike it's on our second day of the trip so literally on the first day that we'll be at the park basically so it'll be one of the first things that we end up doing which I think is really cool. The hike itself does look super intimidating. So whether we both finish might be up in the air, but I know I'm definitely going to try my best to. I'm not afraid of heights at all, which definitely helps. I think Jen is, <laughs> but she's a climber though. Like she climbs all the time with her boyfriend. So I feel like she should be able to handle it if she like really puts her mind to it and everything. I have faith in Yuji. So <laughs> we got kind of a crappy time slot, which is the only downfall of this situation. I think our permit doesn't allow us on the trail that leads up to the top until after 12 p.m., which means it could definitely be on the busier side by that point. I know Zion gets like really, really busy, especially probably during the season that we're going to. And going up the trail, I don't think is going to be an issue, but going down the trail, I can totally see where like that could cause problems. Some of the parts of this trail are like super narrow to the point where like they have handrails on like the sides that like you're supposed to be holding on to and getting around people in those sorts of situations especially going down could be like really difficult I guess we'll see though we basically said we'd play it by ear of like how far we go and what we're comfortable with because like this genuinely is like a do it at your own risk sort of hike like there have been people that have died on this trail mom if you're listening um, no one's died it's completely safe either way super excited just for the opportunity to be able to do it I think it would be an awesome experience one way or another and that's definitely my weekly win for this week. Okay, so let's get into this week's episode topic, which is basically going to be a starter pack for moving to a new city. I'm going to try to go in chronological order of my experience moving to Philly and how things played out for me. So this is by no means a complete instruction list on the way you have to go about things. I definitely probably did some things wrong and I'm going to be pretty like brutally honest on how my experience went and what I do and don't recommend doing. Ultimately, I just hope this could potentially help someone who may have a small desire to maybe start over somewhere new and maybe this could be the little push you need to finally make the leap. So I'm going to start with everything I did to prep for the move which is honestly more work than I think the move was itself. It really takes lining up every aspect of your life to make sure a move like this is practical for you honestly and it totally makes sense in the life stage that you're in personally I think the first and most important thing for me was making sure your job's cool with it <laughs> if you have your remote job and can explicitly like work from wherever you are awesome you're in the clear probably which ended up being my situation but I did take like the extra step to clear it with my manager at the time just to make sure no one in the future was gonna down the line 
on be like haha just kidding we're going back into the office now like at pretty much everything that's happening right now because that truly was my worst fear and I would have just had to have been like haha well can't come in I'm 300 miles away now so that's weird <laughs> because literally my office was 20 minutes north of Boston yeah you can't do that when you live in Philadelphia <laughs> but as long as you have that in writing honestly somewhere I pretty much would like stress getting it in writing unless like you're job coded as like a complete remote employee I wouldn't take anything that <laughs> your manager says as like truth unless it's like in writing I know like the remote stuff kind of changed with my company a decent amount I know friends that I've gotten positioned somewhere that they were initially hired on to be remote but then we're like oh we want you in the office at least one or two days a week so honestly get it in writing that you are completely remote and that you can work from wherever I would say you're golden if you have that if you're in a different situation where like you might know that you're hybrid or you go into the office full-time at your current position which sounds awful at this point so bless your soul I think lining up work is kind of the no-brainer first step like unless you're a nepo baby or come from an extremely blessed situation where you don't have to support yourself or worry about work then good for you and please slide into my dms on how you ended up there <laughs> I think figuring out how to pay your bills before you take on any of like those expenses is like the natural first step okay so now awesome you got approval from your boss to move or you landed a new job whatever the case may be where do you go from there I think the logical next step is to truly map out a budget and I don't mean just like estimates of where your money's going I mean go back and at least for a month track like every nickel and dime of where it goes and mainly focus on like your big expenses obviously here because you ultimately need to know what your budget is and what you can afford in rent before you can start looking at apartments. I was lucky that I knew what my exact paychecks were so I could very easily calculate what's left over at the end of the day after things like my car payment, insurance payments, phone bills, your average of what you spend on groceries, like your miscellaneous expenses that add up. I know like very random things that people don't necessarily think about like I have pet insurance for my cats. I have to factor in like buying food for them and like supplying for them as well. I think this is just like budgeting 101 honestly figuring out like what you can afford in rents. Like you have to truly calculate what's left over after every dollar that you absolutely need to spend to keep yourself alive and sustained. <laughs> so once I knew roughly what I could afford in rent, I did a lot of research about the city that I was moving to. So obviously mine in this case was Philadelphia. You might have a different city in mind. You might be still looking at potential cities, but I just recommend doing a ton of research of wherever you're thinking about moving and that'll help you narrow down your search. As much as I've never felt super unsafe in Philly. It definitely doesn't have the greatest reputation in terms of safety as a city. So it was really important for me to figure out what each neighborhood was like in the city and where it would be optimal for me to live out of those neighborhoods. I knew I wanted to be downtown and not in the outskirts of the city somewhere, kind of like the way like Boston set up. Like I used to live in Watertown and I didn't want to be in Watertown or Waltham or in like Somerville or like anything like that. I didn't want to be in those types of areas in Philly. So that added another sort of complexity to safety too. I feel like typically the further you go downtown, the more you have to like think about safety factors. You have to think about the fact that these are streets that you're going to be walking down not only in broad daylight, but sometimes in pitch dark, whether that's coming back from a friend's place, back from dinner, back from the bar, like wherever you might be late at night. You have to make sure that you feel safe at all times of day wherever you choose to like ultimately reside 
And even though I did a lot of research, I do still feel like I could have done more before I moved. This isn't just like a simple Google search either. I highly recommend using like an online forum like Reddit or looking up Facebook groups of the city that you're moving to because you'll find actual accounts and opinions of real like average people living in those cities rather than buzzwordy type articles that may pop up first in your typical Google search. For Philly specifically, I originally ended up in Center City in my first apartment, literally on Broad Street, hence the name of this podcast, which definitely wasn't bad if you deal with noise well, especially at night, then it shouldn't be an issue for you. I will say I didn't love my first apartment. That's why I say I think I could have done a lot more research before I moved. I lived practically next to City Hall, so I was near pretty much anything that you could imagine downtown, which is what I wanted for my first experience in the city. Another point in terms of location, it's not just safety you have to figure out too, it's also what fits in your budget. So for Philly, certain neighborhoods are certainly more expensive than others. You're like, for example, you're going to get a completely different apartment in South Philly than you will in Northern Liberties, so to speak. Ultimately, I would come up with your budget range, have a completely top number that you cannot spend more than a month and you literally cannot go over that number on just base rent alone. And then see what you can get in each neighborhood that you think you might for the dollar amount. Like I said, it can vary greatly. So it's all about what you're looking for. Uh, For me, I'll admit, like I value having more updated appliances and countertops and things like that than I necessarily do space. I live in a one bedroom, one and a half bath right now in the grad hospital neighborhood, if you're wondering. And I'd say it's about the mid size of what I would want. Like my original apartment in Center City was much smaller than this and only one bedroom. It was also in a high rise building versus the apartment that I'm in right now is just owned by like one guy who outsources a property management company to cover things like maintenance, the leasing, etc. and stuff like that. But I will say like what I pay in rent in the neighborhood that I'm in right now would go like so much further in a little bit deep south or Philly. I could probably rent like a whole house. For example, my boyfriend Mike, his apartment, I think he pays less than I do like right now. And it's literally an entire row home. Like he has a three bedroom, two bathroom type of situation with a basement and like a backyard and like all this stuff in a completely different neighborhood. It's all about like knowing how far your money will go in certain neighborhoods, but also like being in the neighborhood that you want to be in for whether it's like social purposes as well as safety, things like that. There's a lot of factors to consider. And that's why I say like planning all of this stuff like is so much more than the actual moving process itself. Because when you're moving to a new city, you have no idea what certain neighborhoods are like unless you've either done a ton of research on them or seen them for yourself and things along those lines. I also think coming up with like your non-negotiables versus what you would like to have versus what would be really nice and those kind of categories is really smart for apartment hunting. For me, my non-negotiable was like a washer and dryer in unit and walkable to the subway because even though I have a car in the city, a lot of the time it's way easier to take the subway somewhere than to try to find parking Parking in my neighborhood, for example, is an absolute nightmare and I pretty much can't move my car after 5 p.m. unless I'm driving to Mike's or driving somewhere else that is in a different neighborhood that has way more parking than mine does. If I'm planning on coming back to my apartment anytime from 5 p.m. until like whatever time I'm going to bed, like I can pretty much guarantee I won't find parking and I'll have to put my car in a garage that costs $25 a night. Outrageous. But anyways, that's one of the downfalls that I had to take with my apartment. There's always going to be a give and take there. Now for 
apartment related things specifically I'm also speaking in terms of you living alone because that's been my experience I've lived alone now for the past two and a half years and I think it's been such an incredible experience in terms of independence and allowing myself to really figure out how to navigate life solo I definitely get the appeal of having roommates at times, especially to split costs. It would save me a ton of money, but I knew I wanted to live alone and it definitely makes apartment searching a little easier too because it's only your budget and opinions that you need to take into consideration. If you are thinking about living with a roommate instead, I highly recommend trying to find a roommate Facebook group that you can join in the given city that you're moving to. In Philly specifically, there's a huge group of Philly girls called Philly Queens that has like more than I think 20,000 members at this point and it's all women in Philadelphia and then off of that there's a subgroup that's specifically girls looking for housing and for roommates so I think something like that is a great place to start. I do have a couple of friends that met this way and now like they're the best of roommates and friends so it totally works just make sure you have a solid vetting process in terms of scouting out potential roommates. So now for touring spaces which is a whole other complexity too. I would highly recommend going and visiting the city you're moving to first and not trying to wing it from pictures and videos but I can totally see how it's not possible at times. Flights are stupid expensive and it could even be hard to take time off of work to be able to just hop to a city for a few days just to scope things out. But I think it's really worth it if you're able to swing it. For example, when I moved to Philly, I couldn't tour anything in person because of COVID. Everything was virtual, whether I'd been able to come visit here or not. But if you can make visiting first work, I think it helps so much in terms of not only being able to see units in person, but be able to see the neighborhood and the people and the businesses around you in person. Things may sound super awesome described online or in pictures, but it could be totally different when you're actually there. My bare minimum, I would say, is at least being able to see a video tour of the unit you're renting. Photos are so deceiving so deceiving and I think we all know that by now but rental photos they can truly make a space look completely different than it actually is especially in size from the way that the photos are shot so if you're basing things virtual get a video and if the leasing agent or landlord won't provide a video for whatever reason I promise there's a reason for it and it should be a complete red flag and it would be a no for me there's a reason that they won't send you a video there's some reason why the unit is still on the market all of that sort of thing and if you're going the video route as well ask a million questions more questions than you think you need to I'll tell you from my experience in my first building here it was a brand new rental building in center city it was a restored building so the building itself had been there but they converted it from offices into apartments the year that I moved here and I was told all the work was going to be done before I moved in but yeah absolutely not <laughs> our gym and our rooftop wasn't done until months after I had moved in like there was constant construction around the building I remember the day I moved in my mom had never like looked more stressed out in her life because I think she could tell I wasn't going to be initially happy here when I moved in but it ended up being okay but I will say like the property management in that building was also absolutely awful I literally got <laughs> accused of stealing someone's package within my first like two months of living there because the management mixed up my unit numbers with someone else's like I can't even begin to describe the horror stories I faced there my living room flooded within the first like three days of me living there as well the first time I did laundry because my washer wasn't properly plugged in where it drains out the back so all the water drained into my living room and completely destroyed my rug <laughs> there was just a whole plethora of things that was terrible about that property management so if you're planning on living in a big building too I will say definitely do the research on the management company because a lot of them will just I'll say 
say it frankly absolutely suck luckily now my property management is super on top of things i have my maintenance guy pretty much on speed dial and he's the nicest guy ever my rent went up incredibly minimally when i renewed my lease last year like they're just a company that i trust at this point and i feel like i'm in a more ideal situation but this also came with like a year's worth of experience of being in the city and knowing exactly what I wanted and making sure I found somewhere that met those standards in the neighborhood that I wanted to be in. I could go on and on about apartment hunting but I think the main takeaways here are finding something in your budget in your safety comfortability level that covers like all of your non-negotiables that's the key. You also have to make sure you have everything you need for a rental application which is usually just your tax info for the year to prove your yearly income they're going to pull a credit report and if you don't have a lot of credit history or rental history they'll probably need you to have a guarantor on the apartment as well so be prepared to have like a parent or guardian someone in your life be able to co-sign your lease with you this is more so like if you're like 22 or younger even my first apartment I also had a co-signer on it so for any place you'll typically also have to put down a security deposit first month and last month's rent as well so that in total is about three months rent and I would plan to have that saved up and ready to cough up on top of the application fee I think the application fees are usually somewhere around like 50 bucks like they're not anything crazy but having three months rent saved up is that's a big feat as well if you're someone who might have just like started out in your corporate position and things like that I would just make sure you have that money to put down especially if nobody's necessarily really helping you because you're choosing to live alone some cities you also have to work with a broker so there can be broker fees Boston I know is one of those cities Um, I'm unsure if New York is still having broker fees. I know some of my friends who paid broker fees in New York, but Mike told me that broker fees got like banned in New York or something like that. So I don't know. I know New York is also just a crazy process and it's extremely different because like you find your apartment like three days before you move in and you have to compete with 7,000 people. I'll say in Philly, like it's not as competitive, but you definitely do have to hop on apartments pretty quickly here, especially if you're moving in the like August, September timeframe. Things do go fast. You should apply pretty quickly after you tour a place if you really want it. Ultimately, just make sure you're financially prepared to apply and put that large sum of money down to secure an apartment. Cool. Now let's say you got an apartment. Congrats, because I think that's the most stressful part of all this is finding a place to live that you can afford it's kind of the biggest deal in terms of moving somewhere new now hopefully you have a timeline that you can work off of now in terms of when you may be starting a new job or when your lease starts so you have that time frame of when you're moving or what have you once you have this timeline set in stone it's important to figure out like the logistics of the actual move so are you hiring movers are you u-hauling are you shipping your stuff all of this definitely depends on how far you are from where you're moving to how much stuff you're bringing if you're bringing a car with you to begin with do you have have people with you to like help you move things like that for me I was lucky enough to have a fabulous truck driving father who basically helped me pack up a u-haul my car my brother's truck and truck all of my nonsense to Philly and help me move in I will say I didn't bring a lot of furniture with me I had to buy a lot of stuff because I left the majority of my furniture to my ex after our breakup just because it made more sense to leave it there when he was still living there and not trying to move it 300 miles so in my case a lot of my furniture was conveniently still in boxes because I had purchased it and hadn't put it together yet and I just put those things together after I got it to my new apartment. This was also the last time that my dad helped me with moving though. For my last move in Philly I hired local movers and let me tell you it was the best money I have ever spent in my entire life and most people I know that have used reputable movers have definitely agreed with me. It's 
typically such a seamless process. You don't have to lift a finger if you don't want to. I will say do a lot of research on your movers though as well and read a lot of reviews. Some moving companies have absolute horror stories associated with them. I've heard some terrible things. So if you want your stuff taken care of properly, I would recommend doing a lot of investigating before you sign a contract with any of these companies. I also know some of my friends that did big cross-country moves shipped a lot of their stuff and that worked out for them. It definitely is very costly, but like so is hiring movers. I think it's worth comparing the cost and just figuring out what works best in your situation. But if you know you might not have a team of support that can like help you moving on your own, I would make sure to financially factor in hiring movers, shipping costs, all the things like that into your moving budget to give you like a light estimate when I moved like within the city of Philly and I only moved like 10, 12 bucks or so like south. It was, I can't even remember, I think like $500 for just the move itself and then you tip on top of that. But that was just an inner city move. So from city to city, you have to factor in that it's going to be a lot more expensive than that. So just keep that in mind when you're thinking about your budget. Sweet. So now the hard part's over. By now you're hopefully moved into your new spot. Maybe you're still unpacking, but at least you're feeling a little more settled. For me, I'm a crazy person (laughs) and truly try to unpack as quickly as possible. I think most people think I'm insane for this, but I just hate having boxes and clutter around and I like my space to feel as homey as possible as quickly as possible. The two times that I've now moved to Philly, I've completely unpacked and decorated in like one to two days max, but no pressure to do that unless you're crazy like me. I just like having everything situated and ready to go. (laughs) The first few days in your new spot, I would highly recommend getting out of your apartment as much as you can. For me, I took the week of my move off of work so I could have the days surrounding the actual moving day to like settle in and really try to get to know the area I was in, especially because I had never been to Philly before. But even if you can't take time off work or your time might be limited, truly take any spare seconds you have to explore your area, whether that's just grabbing a coffee grabbing and picking up food or you can go out for a meal going into local stores or literally just walking around to see as much of the city as you can I've been in Philly now for two and a half years and there's still plenty of spots and areas I haven't completely explored or walked around but I think that's one of my favorite parts about living in a city in general there's always something you can do and new areas for you to check out so taking that time to explore just really gives you the opportunity to get familiar with the area around you and makes things a lot less intimidating As soon as things start feeling less foreign than they do familiar, it makes the easing into comfortability portion of the move a lot easier. I would also take this time to really not necessarily focus on meeting new people. Just take the first week or so to kind of embrace being uncomfortable in a new space on your own. I'm not saying don't take up opportunities if they arise. If you somehow meet someone and you want to hang out with them, absolutely do so. But I think spending my first week alone actually gave me some time to get a grip on just my emotions and feelings about being away from my familiar home for the first time and adjust to a new city that first week was like really emotional for me I feel like it was it was a lot harder than I thought leaving what I knew and jumping into something especially when I didn't know anybody so I think I just needed time to focus on myself and kind of get my emotions in check before I wanted to get out there and like try to meet people and on that note I also think it's incredibly important to just get comfortable with learning how to do things solo being confident on your own is such an important skill at the end of the day we only have ourselves so you might as well figure out how to enjoy hanging out with simply your own company (laughs) and nothing more you don't need friends or a partner to do the things that you want to do and I think that's something I'm still constantly reminding myself of like you want to go to a show for a band that you love but nobody listens to that band besides you 
dope go see them on your own because at the end of the day you're there for the music and it's too loud to talk to anyone there anyway so why wouldn't you just go by yourself or you want to grab dinner at the new spot down the street to try their food but your friends are busy or you just moved here and you don't know anybody awesome pack a book and take yourself on a date I think most people fear doing things on their own because they're extremely conscious of the fact that they think the people around them are looking at them and judging them and I can promise you that absolutely no one is doing that in fact the only times I've ever seen someone alone at the bar reading a book or at a restaurant having a meal by themselves I've looked at them personally and been like damn that looks lovely and I should do that more often like I guarantee by doing those things like that alone you're only exuding your own confidence and making other people jealous that you have the balls to put yourself in situations like that like no one's thinking you're weird because you may not have company doing things solo also gives you an opportunity to make new friends with similar interests in these spaces too think about it if you're going to a show alone you're going to be surrounded by people who listen to the same music as you so you already know you have a common interest there you could meet regulars at the bars or restaurants in your neighborhood if you go post up at a bar and maybe start a conversation with someone another great tip that I know my friends have done is like chatting up bartenders if those bartenders work there they very likely live in the area or close by so they're a great resource for recommendations or maybe they're just a dope ass person to be friends with but ultimately during this time of exploring solo and adjusting to your new city you're likely gonna have a panic that resembles a complete like what the hell did I just do moment I definitely had one most of my friends have told me they did when they went through similar situations so fair to say it's completely normal and expected when you're putting yourself in a foreign situation like this the key honestly is just not to let yourself truly panic you're not going to have this all figured out in the first month let alone week of living in a new place that you might not know anybody it all comes with time you may feel like you completely regret it in the moment but I promise as you become more comfortable where you are that feeling will ease with it the key is just to remind yourself that you did this for yourself and for a reason and for your individual growth. And whether this is your place for years on end or a temporary situation, it's not a failure if it doesn't work out. It is truly just a learning experience. Now, in terms of making friends, I'll try to keep this a bit short because I do want to have a conversation with like my friends here about it, especially because I think we all kind of went about it in a similar but different manner. But I think putting yourself in solo situations where you could meet people with similar interests, like I said, is one of the best ways to potentially meet people in the wild, whether that's at a bar, at a gym that you frequent at a show anything that might become part of your routine those are people that are doing the same things as you have the same interests as you and you already know you have a bit of common ground with so putting yourself in situations like that and just starting a conversation with someone is a good way to sort of meet people outside of that this might sound a little strange but if you're single going on dates is low-key a great way to meet friends too even if you might not be like super interested in a relationship going on first dates is just good training for putting yourself in those unfamiliar situations and just learning how to get to know someone even if it results in absolutely nothing romantically you could make a good friend out of it it could give you an opportunity to meet some of their friends or so on so forth now I will say this isn't like foolproof and there will always be outliers to these situations but I know I made a friend or two early on by doing this and like no one took anything personally when it was only a platonic connection of the sort another thing you can do is join a recreational league or some kind of like club in the city that you're in whether you're a 
washed up D1 athlete or just want something for fun. I know in Philly, at least there's a rec league for literally every sport imaginable, like even kickball teams, bowling leagues, things like that. These are things that you can sign up for solo and meet so many people. I know my friend Abby is in a rec volleyball league and she absolutely loves it and has definitely met friends through that. And lastly, a great resource which I completely condone and is basically how I met my closest friends in the city is Bumble BFF. I think it's become a little bit more normalized. I know when I first downloaded it, I thought it was going to be a weird and like corny way to go about things but honestly it's not it's people just like you trying to meet people in a new city and make friends and it's the same situation as dating you can go and meet someone and you might not vibe with them and it's like no harm no foul but if you hang with someone and really hit it off that's at least one friend made and that then opens up a door to and opportunity to meet some of their friends that they might have too so you could really grow a social circle this way that's exactly how my friend group ended up forming I met my friend Abby on Bubble BFF and she met our friend Taylor on it and then I met Taylor through Abby and so on so forth we're one big happy family (laughs) and you can honestly use this at any time in your life in a new city I think it's always great to meet new people no matter what stage of life you're in and it never hurts to form new connections at the end of the day it's truly just putting yourself out there that matters the most the amount of effort you put into trying to meet people is exactly what you're going to get back and it's exactly how it's going to play itself out for you it's not the easiest thing to do especially as an adult but it's totally doable if you put the effort in and that's moving to a new city in a nutshell (laughs) I know there's probably a million more things that I could have covered I absolutely will in a future episode I think doing a segment like on this with Abby and Taylor could be really helpful like I said because we all had really different experiences before we met each other so getting their viewpoint on things I think would be really insightful that way we can relate to a lot more people but as a starter pack so to speak I think this covers the basics of kind of planning out your move adjusting to a new spot and all that jazz I really hope this helps someone who may be thinking about exploring a new place. I know it's truly one of the most intimidating things to just pick up and go somewhere new. So if I made it any less scary for anyone listening, then that's a win for me. (laughs) And I will say moving to Philly was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. I said in the last podcast, I cannot imagine my life without this city at this point. I can't imagine my life without the experiences that I've been through within the past three years. Honestly, it has truly shaped and helped me grow into the person that I am today. And a lot of that, I think, comes with the fact that I chose to do this in a city where I didn't necessarily know anyone and really had to start and grow from the ground up. It really pushes you to get comfortable being alone and enjoy hanging out with yourself and becoming your own best friend at the end of the day but also make connections with people that you might never have thought you would before because you were on different sides of the planet not that Boston was on a different side of the planet than Philly but you know what I mean if you go somewhere new you're going to meet plenty of people that you never would have otherwise I think going somewhere new just provides so much opportunity then if you stay stagnant in your situation and just come complacent with who you are and your life path and things along those lines. So if you're still here this far in, thanks so much for sticking around and giving this episode a listen. Like I said, there's plenty more to come from Broad on Broad Street, and I'm just so glad to have you here. With that, keep it classy, and I'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs)